from Quoted Studios. This is Blank on Blank, distributed by the public radio exchange PRX.org. I'm David Gerlach. Ayn Rand died over 30 years ago. Her most celebrated books, Atlas Shrugged and Fountainhead, were first published before color television took over in the 1960s. Yet her theories of objectivism, the belief in selfishness, that you look after yourself first and foremost, that man's own happiness is the moral purpose of his life, that reason is the one true absolute. These ideas still hold considerable sway. Now, for some, Ayn Rand's theories are naive and cold and simplistic, but for others, including some important Republican uh, presidential hopefuls, her philosophy is a guiding light. Whichever side you fall on, Ayn Rand is not going anywhere. And with that in mind, I, I just loved coming across the conversation she had on the Mike Wallace interview show back in 1959. Here's Ayn Rand on the definition of love. You have an accent which is... Russian. Russian. You were born in Russia? Yes. Came here? Oh, about 30 years ago. And whence did this philosophy of yours come? Out of my own mind, with the sole acknowledgement of a debt to Aristotle, who is the only philosopher that ever influenced me. Uh-huh. I devised the rest of my philosophy myself. I'm curious. You are married? Yes. Your husband, is he an industrialist? No, he's an artist. His name is Frank O'Connor. Does he live from his painting? He's just beginning to study painting. He I was see. a designer before. Is he supported uh, in his efforts by the, uh, by the state? Most certainly not. He's supported by you for the time being? No, by his own work, actually, in the past. Well, I know. By me, if necessary, but that isn't quite necessary. And there is no uh, contradiction here in that you help him. No, because you see, I am in love with him selfishly. It is to my own interest to help him if he ever needed it. I would not call that a sacrifice because I take selfish pleasure in it. I say that man is entitled to his own happiness and that he must achieve it himself, but that he cannot demand that others give up their lives to make him happy, nor should he wish to sacrifice himself for the happiness of others. I hold that man should have self-esteem. And cannot man have self-esteem if he loves his fellow man? Christ, every important moral leader in man's history, has taught us that we should love one another. Why, then, is this kind of love, in your mind, immoral? It is immoral if it is a love placed above oneself. It is more than immoral, it's impossible. Because when you are asked to love everybody indiscriminately, that is, to love people without any standard, to love them regardless of whether they have any value or virtue, you are asked to love nobody. But in a sense, in your book, you talk about love as if it were a business deal of some kind. Isn't the essence of love that it is above self-interest? Well, what would it mean to have love above self-interest? It would mean, for instance, that a husband would tell his wife, if he were moral, according to the conventional morality, that I am marrying you just for your own sake. I have no personal interest in it, but I am so unselfish that I am marrying you only for your own good. Well, should husbands and wives tell Would any woman like that? I agree with you that it should be treated like a business deal, but 
every business has to have its own terms and its own kind of currency. And in love, the currency is virtue. You love people, not for what you do for them or what they do for you. You love them for their values, their virtues. You don't love causelessly. You don't love everybody indiscriminately. You love only those who deserve it. Man has free will. If a man wants love, he should correct his flaws, and he may deserve it, but he cannot expect the unearned. There are very few of us, then, in this world, by your standards, who are worthy of love. Unfortunately, yes, very few. But it well. is open to everybody to make themselves worthy of it, and that is all that my morality offers them. If they will A way to make themselves worthy of love, although that's not the primary motive. Isn't it possible that we are all basically lonely people and we are basically our brother's keepers? Nobody has ever given a reason why men should be their brother's keepers. And you see the examples around you of men perishing by the attempt to be their brother's keepers. You have no faith in anything. Faith? Only no. in your mind. And that is not faith. That is a conviction. Yes, I have no faith at all. I only hold conviction. As we said at the outset, if Ayn Rand's ideas were ever to take hold, they would revolutionize the world. And to those who would reject her philosophy, Ms. Rand hurls this challenge. For the past 2,000 years, the world has been dominated by other philosophies. Look around you. Consider the results. We thank Ayn Rand for adding her portrait to our gallery, one of the people other people are interested in. Mike Wallace, goodbye. Mike Wallace in 1959. You can watch the full interview with Ayn Rand, plus the special animated version of this episode on our website, blankonblank.org. Uh, when you see the video, you'll notice a lot of Art Deco and uh, Rockefeller Center uh, inspired artwork in the episode. A special thank you uh, to the Harry Ransom Center at the University of Texas at Austin uh, for working with us on this piece. Uh, that's the home for the Mike Wallace collection. Dozens of legendary interviews, Eleanor Roosevelt, Salvador Dali, do check out uh, their online collection. As always, Amy Drozdowska produced this episode with me. And be sure to look for Blank on Blank on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, what else? That's it. I'm David Gerlach. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.